Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studio at Lambeau Field. And Wes, a very interesting week here at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. The Packers coming off of a disheartening 28-22 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. But no time to dwell on their sorrows because... They have to hop on a plane very shortly to go to San Francisco and take on the 49ers on Thursday Night Football. This is a really interesting week around here because uh, I think obviously the Packers were hoping to be heading to San Francisco with just the one loss on their ledger. Now you're in danger of actually picking up a third loss prior to the midway point of the season with this being game number eight. This is a tough one because underneath Matt LaFleur up until Sunday, they only had lost one game by a touchdown or inside a touchdown. And I, I think if everybody's just being honest with themselves, this was a game that Green Bay just shouldn't have lost. Yep. I mean, it just the way that they finished it too in the fourth quarter. That that was more, I think, indicative of the team that this is. Uh, they're more consistent moving the ball offensively. Uh, they had some guys while they didn't have Alan Lazard. They did have some guys step up. Devonte Adams caught his third touchdown, and the defense got two late stops. But the problem was everything that happened in that second and third quarter again for Green Bay, and that's what really told the tale of this game. Minnesota, Mike, it's a lot like what you and I talked about last week. It's a lot like Larry McCarron right over there on our Three Things video last Wednesday mentioned. Defensively, the, the Vikings just don't have a ton of playmakers right now, whether it be through injuries or just you know decisions and trades that they've made. And I got to give a credit to Mike Zimmer. He still made all the ends meet. And in this matchup, uh, after a first quarter that was largely dictated by Green Bay, the momentum started to swing a little bit towards Minnesota at the end of the first half. And in the third quarter, they took the ball and Delvin Cook ran away with it. Yeah, I mean, you know football is a team game, and I'm not trying to, to minimize that. But it feels like the Green Bay Packers got beat by one player. They got beat by Dalvin Cook on Sunday. He scores all four of Minnesota's touchdowns. The Vikings getting touchdowns on, on their first four possessions of the game. He scores all four of them. He has 226 yards from scrimmage, 163 rushing, 63 receiving, including a 50-yard touchdown on a third and nine screen pass. I believe the 226 yards was approximately 70% of Minnesota's total. And, yes, I take nothing away from Mike Zimmer's defense. They were really banged up at cornerback. The windy conditions certainly affected the passing game, but you thought the Packers, certainly with the way they started the game, they would be more efficient on offense. But the bottom line is the defense gave up four consecutive touchdowns, and when the offense started to get some penalty flags in the third quarter to stall out some drives, suddenly the Packers couldn't keep up, and you're playing from behind. And I tell you what, coming from behind two touchdowns against a Mike Zimmer defense, it doesn't matter who's on the field. He's got, he's, he's got the scheme and, and the coaching to make that a really, really difficult scenario, and it was really hard for the Packers to come back. Yeah, and, and, this, and again, you have 16 regular season games. You're not always going to be at 100%, and things like this happen, but you really do get a feeling like it was the perfect storm for the Packers in this game. You go in without David Bakhtiari and without Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams has been incredibly solid. You know my feelings on him. I've made that abundantly clear, especially over the last few weeks. But if you look back at the performances the Packers had last season, Aaron Jones was a big reason they won those two games, in one of which the Vikings didn't have Delvin Cook, and you saw how the the landscape changed. Then you have the windy conditions, which plays the game more into a run game type orientation. 
You have Alex Kemp's crew uh, making some ticky-tack calls here and there. You have just so many different things worked against the Packers in this matchup. And at the end of the day, you still ended up losing. You end up being 5-2. and two. That's the rub of the green over a you know, course of a long season. The key is now, though, for Green Bay, is you're going to be going up against a San Francisco 49ers team that's really banged up right now. I know what the record was last year in the Bay Area. I know they've had some problems on the West Coast. It really puts a big spotlight on Green Bay needing to get this win now after you know what I think everybody would agree was a disappointing performance on Sunday. Yeah, real quickly here, Wes, I know we got a lot of ground to cover today, and I don't want to forget our sponsor business. So Sirius, Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Packers fans, gear up for game day. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at AssociatedBank.com backslash Packers. All right, well, obviously there were shortcomings on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball here for the Packers as they dropped to 5-2. and two. The good news is they stayed in first place in the NFC North because the Chicago Bears lost in overtime to the New Orleans Saints at Soldier Field. So the Bears are 5-3, and three, still that half game back of Green Bay. The Bears have not had their bye week yet. And you mentioned the San Francisco 49ers being pretty banged up, and yeah, they are. They lost to one of their division rivals, the Seattle Seahawks. The 49ers now, the defending NFC champions, are 4-4. Four and four. And here, <laughs> here's, the li- here's the list, Wes. On defense, the following players are on injured reserve. Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Solomon Thomas, Ziggy Ansa, and Richard Sherman. And on offense, Raheem Mostert and Jordan Reed, running back and tight end, are on injured reserve. And in this past game, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle have gone down with what appear to be long-term injuries at least a month or two for each of those guys. My point is, this team the Packers are going to play on Thursday night out in Santa Clara is not even going to resemble, personnel-wise, the team that they played twice out there last year. This is going to be a completely different game and a completely different challenge for the Packers, aside from the scheme part of things, because this is still Kyle Shanahan and his team and, and what he and Robert Sala do on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Well, and that's the big thing here. I think there's a lot of people that would agree that Kyle Shanahan's one of the brightest offensive minds in the game right now. Matt LaFleur is up there too. But if there's been one coach over the last three and a half years that has shown he can do more with less, it's Kyle Shanahan. Yep. They've dealt with this before, and they've won football games in spite of that. Now, all that being said... When you look at that injury report that they had coming out of that Seattle game with Tevin Coleman also dealing with a knee injury now, you've already lost Jeff Wilson, who's on IR with a high ankle sprain. Jarek McKinnon, who's battled injuries the last two seasons, he's been kind of held back a little bit due to what they determined was leg fatigue. So now they're on to basically their fifth string running back. So there's just so many different areas of this game where if you look at it on paper, the Packers need to go to work. They need to pick up this win. But then you also look at how the 49ers finished that game against Seattle. Now, you can say it's garbage time. You can say the decision was at hand. But Nick Mullins came in and put some wind in his sails a little bit. Guy finished with 122 passer rating. I don't care if you are taking on a bunch of Arena League football players. If you play that way in the fourth quarter and you put up three touchdowns, you're going to feel okay about your chances. So much like you and I for all of last week were preaching, Mike, you cannot take the Vikings lightly, you most definitely 
cannot take the 49ers likely because if we know anything, it's that an injured animal is at its most dangerous. Yeah, and the 49ers here, quite frankly, they're, they're going to be about as desperate for a win as you could, uh, you could find because they are 4-4. Four and four. They're in an incredibly tough division in the NFC West. If they were to pick up their fifth loss at this stage of the season when they still have games against their own division rivals in the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks, and then they also have a game, I believe, against the Saints on their schedule coming up as well, Five losses right now would be really, really tough for the 49ers to come back from. The Packers, in some senses, can, you know, can land a pretty good haymaker here in terms of the 49ers' chances to repeat as NFC champions if they can get this win on Thursday night. What they're going to do offensively, I shouldn't say what they're going to do, but who they're going to use, whom they're going to use offensively, is what I'll be curious to see. Because you mentioned Jarek McKinnon. I think they're going to have to use him quite a bit, but they also now have been employing a rookie running back from Baylor, Jamichael Hasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the tight end situation, yes, the Packers won't have to deal with George Kittle, but don't sleep on Ross Dwelly. I believe Ross is his first yep. name, if I'm not mistaken. He scored a touchdown, and you were talking about, you know, was it garbage time or not? Well, here's the thing. I went back to go through the, the highlights of that game. Dwelly scores a touchdown with, I believe, it was around four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Correct. And with a two-point conversion, the 49ers would have made that a one-score game with four minutes to go. They did not get the two-point conversion. Therefore, um, it was not a one-score game at that stage. But Nick Mullins brought them back and gave them a shot yeah. um, against the Seattle Seahawks before Russell Wilson then drove the Seahawks down the field for the clinching touchdown with uh you know with around two minutes to go so um this uh this this 49er this 49ers team this coaching staff they're they're going to give the Packers absolutely everything they can handle and the Packers have their own issues to deal with here too with uh, AJ Dillon the rookie running back going on the reserve COVID-19 list at the time we're taping this on Tuesday morning we don't know exactly if there are any other implications as far as other players so I don't want to speculate on that we will just have to see come Thursday at kickoff time who the Packers have available for this game but Packers kind of dealing with a a strange week to begin with and then you have the wrinkle thrown in with the first player since training camp being put on uh, the COVID-19 list. Yeah and and just to touch on this too really quickly before we move on to that as far as San Francisco is concerned they had three touchdown-producing drives in that fourth quarter. That amounted to 239 of their 531 total yards. I'm sorry, 351 total yards in that game. So almost two-thirds of their offense came with Mullins at quarterback there. And if you want to talk about garbage time, too, tell that to Brandon Ayuk. I mean, this is a young man, too. Just like Justin Jefferson, the Packers saw another rookie receiver they're going to have to be cognizant of. Yeah. Back to your original point. A lot of challenges being thrown Green Bay's way this year that they haven't had before. They worked remotely on Monday. The one thing that maybe does work to their benefit is, is Adrian Amos mentioned after the game, this was going to be a heavily mental week anyway. They are not going to actually stand and have their actual normal practice on Tuesday. Maybe they get on the field on Wednesdays the way that, that Matt LaFleur kind of made it sound. So this is a very unusual week, but it's an unusual week by the virtue of it also being just a Thursday night football game. Yeah. You got to go through your protocols. You have to be in the communication with the NFL 
check all the right boxes. They did get permission to be in the building on Tuesday, and you would hope with the proper protocols being followed, they'd be able to get out there and get on this game on Thursday. Yeah, what we heard from Matt LaFleur on Monday afternoon is that, uh, is that everything right now is still pointing to the plans are to fly to Santa Clara on Wednesday late in the day, and the Packers will be kicking this game off on Thursday. will be interesting to see. Packers have had three very, very key players on offense out for multiple weeks now, talking about David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Aaron Jones obviously at running back, and Alan Lazard. All three of those players have um, returned to practice uh, on some level, um, according to yeah, according to the injury report. Um, it's it's a it's a tough spot to be in. You'd like you'd like for David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard to get a full week of practice in before they make their return to the field for a game. I really don't know how Matt LaFleur is going to handle this and, and what the opinion of the medical staff is going to be. But certainly you could see, as the Vikings made defensive adjustments on Sunday to what the Packers are trying to do with the jet motions, with Tyler Irvin and some of the different things, and, and that the Packers were, were missing their key guys offensively, and, and that also contributed to, to the difficulties in coming from behind. It's, it's, easy to make up for, it's easy to make up for missing pieces, uh, key missing pieces like that, if you, are, if you are playing from ahead and your defense is in a different spot and just the tenor of the game is different, which is what the Houston game was like the previous week. This one wasn't like that. And the Packers missed having a couple of their big offensive playmakers. Devontae Adams might be the best receiver in the National Football League. A three-time Pro Bowler. I think he's heading towards an all-pro type season. On Sunday became, uh, I believe it was the first time his career had three touchdowns in a game. Only the third receiver in franchise history to have five touchdowns against the Minnesota Vikings in a season. So I'm not sitting here trying to, you know, diminish what his return meant. But Green Bay, because of what Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have done and how they've improved their own games, they were able to be able to navigate that absence of Adams by doing some things with those guys as receivers, some two-back stuff. In the backfield, though, you just can't replicate Aaron Jones. What he brings as a threat, as a ball carrier, his ability to motion out and also now catch the ball as a receiver. He's made a number of spectacular catches this year that, I, as I've even asked him about, I don't think three years ago he makes. He's just become a really well-rounded, explosive player. And while Devontae Adams is the biggest weapon in this offense, Aaron Jones undeniably is number two. So them not having him on the field, I think, has had an effect here. Jamal Williams, steady as it goes, good running back, solid. But Aaron Jones, this isn't just about position. He's just a playmaker. So... Last, this is such an interesting scenario because he got hurt in practice. It wasn't like it happened in a game. We don't know what it looked like or how bad it was. But it really seemed to me that that originally was going to be just to hold him out, be smart against Houston, get him back. I was sort of somewhat taken aback that he wasn't on the practice field last week. The fact he was at least limited, estimated limited on Monday, that would indicate he's making the positive strides there you want to make. But, Mike, this offense, it's just different when Aaron Jones is on the field. And then from there you can talk about Devon, or, uh, you know, David Bakhtiari. Kevin King was limited as well, estimated on Monday. So there's a lot of playmakers the Packers want to get back. But Aaron Jones was doing some really special things before that calf tweak, and it's, it's had an impact on the offense not having him out there. Yeah, well, we, we saw you know, Devontae Adams, the first two possessions on Sunday against the Vikings, 
He makes a handful of catches, including two touchdowns down close in the red zone. The Vikings were having a hard time with him. They make, they make the adjustment to try to take him out of the game, and Adams only makes a couple of catches in the second half. One of the, the, the third touchdown, I still don't know how he caught that Incredible. pass. I mean, well, he wasn't, pass interfered he, with. Yeah, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't open. The ball, you know, the ball somehow drops in there, and he's able to get it. Another one of those that you wonder how much he even saw the pass before it got to his hands, and he makes that catch. But Adams wasn't much of a factor in the second half, and and when the Packers were getting you know these holding penalties and you know one series the Packers cro- the Packers are well across the 50 yard line, looking like they're in scoring territory. All of a sudden, two holding penalties. You're in first and 30 from midfield. Well, you know there aren't a whole lot of you know like coaches say there aren't a whole lot of calls on the play sheet for first and 30. Um, so that you know a, a, a drive stalled out there. They had another one after the big pass to, uh, to, to Robert Tanyan, but then suddenly two incompletes to Tyler Irvin, two incompletes to EQ St. Brown. You wonder, you know, where was Devontae Adams in that sequence? Well, the Vikings were, were doing their best to take him out of the game yeah. because you know Aaron Rodgers is looking for him. Right. I mean, that, that's definitely part of the equation here. So the Packers need to get the offense back to full strength. And on the defensive side of the ball, we talk about it all the time when it happens. But they've got to figure out a way to slow down the run game because this defense, they can get after quarterbacks. And when you get after quarterbacks, that's how you generate turnovers. Those things just did not happen against Kirk Cousins, the league leader in interceptions at quarterback, plain and simply because the Packers couldn't stop the run. Right. And I'm not trying to bury Horowitz myself with like the pat on the back or anything here, but this is what I wrote in inbox and you and I discussed it last week. That game was going to be one in the trenches, even before we knew full on what the wind was going to be like, just knowing that Delvin cook was going to be back. That's where that game was going to be played and credit again to Minnesota. They achieved what they needed to achieve to get that win. And I think you and I would both agree. The Minnesota Vikings are a much different and much better football team when cook is on the field, but you got to rise to that challenge. Yep. I said it also in inbox last week. This was the test that that run defense needed because they had put together some solid performances in the past few weeks. They didn't, they weren't able to, to, to be able to grab that brass ring though. Weren't able to take advantage of the opportunity. And people asked us time and time again, Mike, well, what, what's the problem? What's the issue? It was everything. It yeah. was the fact that the gaps were too big. It was the fact that at the second level, not enough guys were making plays. And Adrian Amos probably had the most salient point of all. You need multiple guys on a running back. You need multiple tacklers converging to the ball. The best tackling teams are the ones that don't ask one guy to make the tackle all the time. That's the bottom line. And the other thing I'll say, too, sorry to interrupt you, but I thought it was interesting. A couple of things that Matt LaFleur said on Monday afternoon struck me because he was talking about how the issues with the run defense, it was a combination of a lot of things. A couple of things he mentioned. One, he suggested, you know, guys trying to do too much, sort of trying to make that hero play to stop Dalvin Cook. And when you're not just doing your responsibility, that, you know, can throw everything off. And the other thing he said is, if you're tired, we got other guys who can go in and play. Yeah. Suggesting that the Packers on D- and the defensive front, they had guys that were getting tired, but they weren't subbing themselves out. They weren't yes. going to the depth that was available because – this defense was about as healthy as it had been in a long time on that side of the ball, and, uh, and yet that didn't look like a, a healthy, fresh defense at all against Minnesota. 
That was the most bizarre thing when I went and looked at the box score. I was one to actually count it up. It, it ended up being 10 guys played at least 70% of the defensive snaps. That is a huge number uh, because that's including defensive linemen. That's including, you know, your outside pass rushers. That That's a lot of work. Even if it is only 52 snaps to have set 10 guys, basically a starting defense almost, playing that. Now, I think a part of that was probably because they ran so much base. Yeah. But still, I mean, you know, you have Kingsley Kiki available. Montrevious Adams only played six snaps. I mean, there are opportunities there to get those rotations going. They weren't able to do it, and, and certainly the Vikings made him pay for it. They said it after the game, and I'm going to stick with it. There's, they're not going to see a Delvin Cook here on Thursday night, but this is a very similar run-oriented offense where things are built on the run and establishing the run. Kyle Shanahan isn't going to forsake that because he wants to get his backup quarterback going. I mean, in terms of passing. I mean, yeah. they're going to lean on that to get Nick Mullins going, and, and they have to be able to do it, and it's going to be a big challenge for Green Bay. Yeah, and you know Kyle Shanahan is going to come out with all sorts of motions and misdirection and everything to try to get Mike Pettin's defense get their eyes in the wrong place, and they don't know, you know, you don't know who the ball who the ball is going to, and then suddenly, boom, they hit you with they hit you with a matchup where there's where there's a one on one in a certain situation, and they're going to try to hit the big play. That's that's what Shanahan does. Yep. And I'm going to close on this as far as the Minnesota game, then we'll close the book on it. Yeah. I do have to, for as much as we talk about things that went wrong for them, I have to give credit. It is the silver lining of silver linings, but I thought Adrian Amos played a whale of a ball game in that game. You want to talk about a guy that was playing to every single whistle from the beginning to the end? Adrian Amos earned his paycheck in that game. He also came up with that strip of uh, Delvin Cook on third and one that uh, enabled the Packers to be able to get the ball back late. Yeah, the, the 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 Packers defense rose up late and gave and gave the offense a chance, and uh, um, you hope that that's something that they can grab onto and carry over here on a short week. When uh, you know, quite frankly, both of these teams not feeling very good about themselves right, right now. This is this is two teams that played for the NFC Championship last year, and they're both in in different ways kind of in, in a gut check scenario. Yeah, you got to get a win. Yeah. you got to get a win. you got to get a win on Thursday night. And for Green Bay, if you're able to achieve that, then you have a week and a half by to come back. And then Pandora's box really opens up to you, especially with the Jacksonville team on the other side of it that looks like they won't have Gardner Minshew here for a while. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and all of the coverage of Thursday night's game from San Francisco. It'll all be available for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.